Welcome to episode 170 of Cowboys Rifle Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How's it going, man? JP, doing pretty well. Uh, I got a little midweek recording here. I'm very excited. Do a little recruiting talk, talk first, and then uh, we got Anna Beffer, former Oklahoma State soccer player, on the show. She and I talked about her her time in Stillwater, uh, what she's doing now. She's going to be the new color analyst for the FC Tulsa squad. So, um, really excited to have her on. But, but I, I want to talk a little. I want to talk a little Oklahoma State football news, and uh, and it's going to lead into some recruiting talk, uh, kind of broad, broad scale, broad stroke stuff. Yeah, I'll let you kind of take the lead on this one. You're the one that you know decided like, hey, let's let's do something tonight. And I was not necessarily prepared, so I just hit record, and we'll I'll let you go for a little bit. But I'll preface it with this: um, the whole reason why we're doing this is because uh, Brendan Costello, who was part of the recruiting class last season, I believe it was the 2018 class. Uh, he came in and he decided to transfer. He entered the portal today. It's being reported. Uh, this was something that we've kind of we've been talking about a little bit for the last few months. We're getting a little bit of confirmation on that now, but the huge part of this is the the dead the dead period for recruiting for the NCAA is now been extended through July 31st. So this is posing a huge problem for Costello and other guys that are in the portal too. And I'll let you kind of take the lead here from here, Philip. Well, yeah, I mean, it, so first off, it's it's weird to me that Pete Thamel is the one that's breaking this news. Like of all the people to to break news that a backup quarterback in Oklahoma State's um, considering transferring, it's Pete Thamel. Like, not that he doesn't break news. Obviously, he's a he's a big guy. Uh, as far big guy, he's fat. No, um, he, he's he's one of the lead voices in, in college football. But you would have thought it would have been someone local, or you know, someone from twenty four seven, or that weird S Sports Illustrated Oklahoma State strange thing. But no, it was Pete Thamel, which I thought was odd. Um, Look, you're right, and and you and I have kind of talked about this. Not talked about this with other people. I'm not I'm not shocked that Costello is entering the portal, and that's not a shot at him in any way, shape, or form. Um, this is the world that we live in. Um, if guys aren't going to get a shot, they're going to go somewhere that, that that they will. Um, when you are a, coming off your true freshman year, you didn't play. You were essentially like the fourth string. I mean, it, when they went into the bowl game. When they were in the back half of the season, he was not the backup to Drew Brown. Um, Sean Taylor was promoted to be the backup. Uh, former walk-on was the backup to Drew Brown. So, so understand that. Like he wasn't even the back, the, the the third string. He was like the fourth string. Um, now you're heading into a season where Spencer Sanders is in, is entrenched as the starter, and Shane Ellingworth is coming in. Even though they're going to redshirt him, I mean that's what that's what's going to happen. I don't care how good he is, they're going to redshirt him. And now without a spring to actually be with the team, it makes even more sense. And then you brought in a, a JUCO guy in this 2020 class by the name of Ethan Bullock, uh, pro style three star guy out of out of City College of San Francisco. Like for Costello, it's it's looking more and more like you just won't see the field. And uh, like I, I like him from the tape that I've seen. I liked him. Um, I definitely thought he was a guy that was going to take some time to develop. You're essentially on the guy that first recruited you, Mike Yurisich, has been gone. The guy that was your OC to finish your recruitment as offensive coordinator, uh, and John Gleason, and then was your OC and quarterback coach your first season, is gone. And now you're on your third OC and third quarterback coach. I I could understand if a kid from California, looking at the situation after everything's kind of the, all the changes that have gone on since 
OSU really started coming after him, decides, uh, maybe I want to go closer to home. Maybe I want a different opportunity. I don't know what it is, but I'm not, I'm not shocked by it. And I don't, I don't fault him for it either. Like you get four years to play this idea that you should commit to a school and have to sit on the bench and just ride it out forever. I don't, I don't agree with. So, um, I, I hope the best for him. It sucks that the recruiting dead period extends through July 31st. Understand that in normal circumstances, August is a dead period anyways. So that means it could be September before guys are able to make visits at best. Um, I don't know what he's going to do. There are a number of people who have entered the portal and some from Oklahoma State as well who don't have landing spots yet. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to these guys. Maybe some drop down to, maybe some go Juco, maybe some go to D2. Some just have to walk on places. I don't know. Um, I feel bad for transfer players right now because man, all, all of this sucks for them. So it, the timing for him is a little bit odd. I, I'm a little shocked he made the decision right now. Um, I, I have to wonder if that decision includes maybe he knows where he wants to go. Um, that would be that would be my question is, does he know where he wants to end up? And that's why he's making his decision now. Because I'm going to be honest, even if I was unhappy, the fact that I can't go anywhere and check any place out before I'm going to transfer, I'd just be like... Okay, I'll just hang out here. It's it's fine. Like, we'll just we'll just make it work. Um, just, so ju- just for to go to, so I don't know. yeah, maybe maybe just for my clarity because I truly don't know, and I'm asking this hoping that you know the answer. Maybe those that don't. So for the recruiting dead period, does that just mean that obviously players can't travel and take in person visits? Can coaches and teams still contact players and? that are in the portal and try and get them like and convince them on campus via zoom or phone call or anything like that? Or can they not do any recruiting at all? Um, and forgive me cause I'm not a recruiting expert, even though I like to pretend like I am. Uh, I don't think you're, you can't make visits. Um, I think you can still like send things in the mail. I think you can still like, text with them but you can't do visits um i don't know as far as beyond that like i i there's there's limitations of what you can do i think there's some things you can do but you can still see some offers occasionally but like if you can't go see a guy and, and you can't get a guy to talk to like if it's just if you're just doing phone and text stuff like ah that's no wonder that you know you just kind of like all right well we'll just Focus on the guys we're focusing on and not worry about trying to add a bunch of new ones unless tape comes in that's really good. So I, for him and for these transfer guys, like the problem is it's the same thing for the class of 2021. Like you get all these 2021 kids who like 2020 is fine. Um, a lot of 2021 ones right now are a lot of them like to, especially with the early, the, the new commitment period, <laughs> um, like to, to make their visits during the summer before their senior year. And make a decision so that they can go into their senior year and play and not have to worry about it. Right. Well, now they're they're the likelihood of them getting to make any sort of visits outside of you know phone tours before their senior year is gone. Um, maybe the NCAA opens up August. I don't see that happening. Uh, it just doesn't seem like something they would do. The other big impact is this is also a time you're evaluating 2022 players um, and trying to 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 
to kind of figure some of them out so you can get those offers out. So that's going to hurt the 2022 kids even more. So you're going to see more later evaluations of players. It's just, it's, it's a tough period for recruiting. And I feel bad for all these kids. Like I, I, it's tough for the coaches. Absolutely. Um, but it's tough shit. Uh, you're paid millions of dollars. Um, for the kids, this is already a hard decision for them. So this is just making it more difficult, um, which leads me to a point that is really, really interesting. Um, which I want to talk to. So we've seen Oklahoma State pick up some commitments lately. Um, the 2021 class is finally starting to look a little bit better. Um, what do we have now? Five commits or six? Let me pull it up real quick. It's going to take me. Here's that good radio. Da, 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 da. Okay, so Colin Oliver, um, Ty Williams, and safety, Jaden Nixon, Colby Fields, and Raymond Geis. You got, you got five guys committed, a couple four stars there based off of whichever rankings you want to use. And you've seen some of these come in these last two, four of the five have come in the last two months. Um, Jaden Nixon and Ty Williams were at the end of April, and then Colin Oliver and Raymond Gay there in, in, in kind of mid-May. And props to Bud Elliott at 24-7 who put this little bit together. Um, the committed prospects as of May 6th for the class of 2021, there are 627 players already committed. For the class of 2021 as of May 6th. That is more than the class of 2020 and the class of 2019 combined by that date of May 6th. Wow. That makes sense. So, wow. It's more than twice. Okay. There's a lot of kids committing. And because I, I, I've, I've, I've talked to a couple of different guys and, and one basically kind of gave me the, the notion of this, there was, they wanted to feel like they had something set you know, because there's so many questions. There's so much in the air and you don't know when they're recruiting, um, when, when, when the visits are going to be allowed again uh, before December. And you, you, you don't know how other, many other guys are commit. So I think, I think it's kind of, as you're seeing guys commit, other guys are going, well, I want to make sure I have a landing spot. I like if, if that's what happens. And so you're seeing more and more guys go ahead and commit despite not having taken visits yet. There's a lot of guys who are committing who still intend to take those five visits that are allowed that haven't been able to take them yet, um, which is which leads to the question of, and this is what's going to be really interesting, um, and I think could make this one of the most frustrating and wild recruiting years ever with this 2021 class. You're seeing this many commitments. The question now is, are we going to see a massive wave of decommitments when kids are able to visit? Because visits make a huge impact. Like you can have good relationships with coaches over the phone. You can, you can do virtual tours. You can get all the stuff in the mail you want. You step foot on a different campus and meet the people and get that environment. And it just feels like home, man, that's hard to turn down. So I, it, this could, this class could get really, really, really wild with this many guys already committed and so many of them not having had a chance to take all their visits that you could see quite a few decommitments for this for this class. So I mean, it's that is a real concern. So buckle up. Um, I, 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 yeah, just uh, don't be shocked to see decommitments and see quite a few of them um, when guys are able to start making visits again. Yeah, re- recruiting to me is already weird to begin with. You're having 17 or 18-year-olds make the biggest decisions of their lives, and half of them don't know what the hell they want to begin with. So the fact that you're coupling that with not being able to get on campus, not being able to truly meet with the coaching staff in person, 
not be able to take multiple visits to other schools to kind of feel things out. It's going to get really weird when guys get the opportunity to step on campus again. It's going to happen soon at some point. I don't know when that'll be, but guys will have that opportunity before they sign, I imagine. So the, it's going to be very interesting, interesting to see how things play out here in the next few months. Yeah, I just – kids deserve to take their visits like they really do. Like I – I'm always a little bit torn on if a kid has committed to your school, should he be allowed to take an official visit? Uh, because official visits, the difference between unofficial and official is an unofficial visit means that you're allowing that school to pay for you your visit, right? They're basically paying for your visit. Unofficial, it's all on your dime. Official visits, essentially the school is, is forking out a bunch of money to bring you there and, and try and recruit you. So unofficial visits is one thing. It's your own money if that's what you want to go to to check it out. But if you're allowing a school to wine and dine you essentially that's telling that school oh i am absolutely still interested this goes back to i forget who the the one the running back who decommitted from who committed to osu uh, and then was going to take an official visit to like texas tech uh and the deke basically had his commitment his scholarship offer like pulled and everyone was up in arms and angry about it and i don't necessarily know that i agreed with the decision despite what i'm sitting here saying but i also understand the aspect of like if I'm if I'm accepting an offer, like I take the offers and decide them all before I, I commit to one. I'm not going to take an offer and then use that offer I've taken to go back and try. Like I just, it, I, I understand the idea of like, you, you didn't have to commit yet. You could have taken all these official visits you wanted to take before you committed. Why did you go ahead and commit and then decide you're going to go do that? And again, we're dealing with 17, 18 year olds they are it's a it's a big ass of of essentially a kid um, who's got all these different people coming at them all these different people trying to impress upon them their opinion friends and family coaches there with like there's so they're just bombarded with so much like we expect i think we expect way too much of a bunch of 17 and 18 year olds and i think it's silly when grown men are first off don't tweet at recruits Stop. Bingo! I hate yeah. every. Oh, I hate. I don't care if it's OSU, any other school. The ones that sit here and tweet at recruits—that's their gig. That's their bit. Is they tweet at recruits or tweet about recruits? Hey, come give so and so and show them all the love. I hate that shit. I really do. Like, I don't stop it. Like, I understand. It's it's the cheapest way to get yourself some followers and clicks and likes and stuff. Uh, and it. I, I despise it completely, whatever. Like you could say, well, you guys write about recruits and that's the same thing. Yeah. No, we're, we're informing people of information. You're just trying to ride their coattails and bandwagon, whatever. Um, but they're about 17, 18 year olds and every kid wants something different. And what matters to a kid is different. And I just, I, 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 the more I've done this and the longer I've gone and, and covered this stuff and the more I've followed it, people who get mad, like I'm disappointed too when a guy that we really want doesn't commit to Oklahoma State. Like I, I am. It stinks. I I don't like decommits any more than any of you do. Like I don't want to see a guy basically be swayed away to someone else. Um, nothing, nothing great. Like, and, and this is going to sound crazy because we have this conversation. It's like, I, I'm less irritated by a kid's flipping to Oklahoma than flipping to a school that sucks, i.e. Arkansas. 
Like I can get if you're like, yeah, but they're going to go play in the playoff. And I'm like, okay, fine. Well, go. Uh, Arkansas sucks. Like they, you're not going to go to a bowl game, but cool. Go start there for four years um, and call the hogs. But I digress. Uh, recruiting is weird and it's wild. Don't tweet at recruits. Just don't do it. Don't be that guy. I know you think it's cool and that it's going to sway his decision. It's not. It's just stroking his ego. Yes, I, 17 and 18 year old football players really don't need their ego stroked any more than they are. Yes, and, and I'm sure the opinion of someone that lives in Muskogee, Oklahoma, who they've never heard of, is definitely going to sway their opinion, right? Oh, man, I saw that tweet from that one old guy with 18 followers. <laughs> just like, shit, I'm absolutely going to his school. He called me the best running back he, prospect he's ever seen. I'm on a two-star unranked <laughs> Like, just, yeah, it's... Also, the, it's funny. not a shot at Muskogee, Oklahoma. It's just the first town that came to mind. <laughs> I've got family in Muskogee. Like, it's it's fine. Uh, you want a good comparison? For those people who have been to Muskogee and know what Muskogee is, that's essentially the town I live in in, in Arkansas. It's a very good comp. Very, very good comp. And I don't necessarily mean that as a comment. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I have family in Muskogee. My dad grew up in Muskogee. My dad will shit talk Muskogee left, right, sideways, up and down. So, I'm, there are very good people in Muskogee. I'm sure people who love Muskogee. That's fine. Plenty of people love the town they were born in and raised in. Good for you. So I, I do want to shift it just really quick. And it kind of real, goes into what we're going to talk about. What you talk about with Anna Beff, we're talking about Cowgirls soccer. Um, J.C. Jones, who was a three-year starter, four-year starter for Cowgirls soccer, she was yeah. just named the Big 12 Sports Person of the Year. Uh, she got the female award for that. Andrew Jones from Texas, uh, the guy that battled leukemia, he got the male mm-hmm. award for that. But she is the first Oklahoma State recipient of this award, and I believe it's been uh, – this is the 20th year that they've done it. So that's very cool. If you go go on her bio on OklahomaState.com or OKState.com and look at all the things that she's done and the press release that Cowgirls talk about – she was involved in charities, you know, all during her time, and was well known for talking to kids and and fans after games. Like very, very well deserving. And the video that Cowgirl Soccer posted is like two and a half minutes. It's worth the watch. And to about the about the minute mark when she finds out that she got it, her reaction is priceless. It's super cool. That's the kind of stuff that we love to see. So congrats to J.C. Jones. Yeah. Now our our. We are now, our goal is absolutely to uh, get her on the show, like, as soon as we can. Got to got to do that. I would love the opportunity to talk with her. And that is such a cool thing. It really is. Like, I should have asked, I sh- I'm a terrible person, I should have asked Anna about that. I don't think they overlap, though. Well, but she would have known her from doing color, Anna does color commentary for the, um, OSU soccer games. Yeah, if you ever watch an Oklahoma State soccer match last season on ESPN Plus, you heard Anna. And uh, we'll probably hear her next season. And we'll talk about that with Anna here in our interview as well. So congrats to JC. Um, that is fantastic. Go find the video on social media. It's really worth the watch. Especially if you're like if you're an Oklahoma State fan, just watch Oklahoma State stuff. Just do it. Like I don't care about soccer. Okay, well, that's fine. Um care about Oklahoma State enough to to watch the video um so they can continue to produce more. And without further ado, we'll get into our interview with Anna Beffer. It was fantastic. Uh, Philip did a fantastic job with this one. So be sure to listen to it, and we will talk to you guys next week. Uh, before we do that, we'll be right back after a word from sponsor. 
Okay, very excited to have former Oklahoma State stalker star. I do think star is an appropriate word. Uh, Anna Befford joining us. And, and I want to say before we get started that uh, not only is she a star, uh, she's also very gracious with her time because this is the second time we've had to do this and it's not her fault, it's ours. Uh, so Anna, welcome back for the second time, but for the first time for everybody listening. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So, um, first off, Anna, uh, so for those who don't know, you were there from, let me show you these right, 2014 through 2017, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, part of the 2017 team that won the the Big 12 regular season. And why don't we just kind of kick off there, um, kind of walk me through that year. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma State soccer program has become, I would say, a top 25 program parentally. It's just, just one that yeah. you expect to be there, expect to be in the postseason on a pretty year-in, year-end basis, barring injuries which is kind of what knocked him out two years ago um but kind of walk me through that that 2017 season obviously it was your senior year and it was I mean it it couldn't have gone any better really yeah no I mean it was kind of a a dream senior year for me I know coming in we knew that we had I mean we knew we had the talent we always knew we had the talent and I think that was kind of the frustration um in my sophomore junior year was we always had a great team and whether it was injuries or something just didn't click we never really kind of reach that I feel like the potential that we had in senior year we knew we had it and I think um, kind of early on in the season we um, are challenged at Bedlam um, pretty early at OU and I think that year we after that game we all looked at each other and kind of realized I think we have something special here we really need to you know buckle down and ride this wave and everyone that summer um, a lot of the girls played in WPSL leagues and everyone came in just really fit and ready to go and um really from the beginning, we knew, we knew we could win it if we did what we needed to do. And we kind of carry that confidence throughout the whole year. And I think that was something special about that team that um, I hadn't experienced yet in my four years is everyone had each other's back, no matter what everyone, the chemistry on that team was just really unmatched. And I think that's really what carried us through. I mean, we were picked sixth to win. No one really on the outside thought that we were even in the mix. And so that was just, we kind of had that chip on our shoulder throughout the year. And as the season picked up, obviously the games get bigger and bigger, the closer that you get to winning. And um, I mean, we had like every team, we definitely had some bumps, but it was, it was just a dream ending for me. And I wouldn't have wanted to do it with any other team. Really. Everyone was just really excited and something special. So, I mean, obviously it was a big year. It was an exciting year, but what was, what was the high point of that year for you guys? I mean, it's probably cliche, but as the games got bigger and we we could almost taste it. And I just remember the last couple of games on senior day, we played Kansas. And if we won that game, then it was um, going to be decided at Texas. And I mean, obviously the pressure was there, but it was one of those things where this team found a way to win no matter what. And I remember playing at Texas. Um, they were really good that year, top 10. Um, probably, I mean, they really could have gone either way. And it, we knew it was going to be a really tough game. And, I mean, winning at Texas was just an unbelievable feeling, and especially on their turf. And we had a ton of fans come down. Our entire squad made the trip, um, which I think is a testament to show how close the team was, no matter what your role was on the team. Everyone wanted to be there, and everyone was involved in some way. And um, that was just – it was just incredible. One of the best memories I've had. And I think that was – other than Bedlam at the beginning of the year, that was – that was a big high point for me and our, our team. I mean, it was, it was amazing. So I'm always curious about Bedlam. Obviously 
Um, you know, OU dominates in football, but in uh, in wrestling, Oklahoma State has just completely dominated the series. And in soccer, right. Oklahoma State's got a twenty-seven nine and three record. So it's very similarly. OSU has really owned this series. You know, the comment mm-hmm. always gets brought up by OU fans for football, like it's not a real rivalry because we win all the time. So mm-hmm. even though, you know, they seem to have Oklahoma State on the mind an awful lot for a fan base that doesn't view it as a rivalry. Um, but I am curious with other sports, I know wrestling is still viewed as a rivalry and I, I would assume soccer is the same way, but I'm really curious, like, is is OU the Oklahoma State rival or is there another team that you guys really get up for more? Honestly, I think OU 100% is definitely still a rival. I mean, a lot of the girls grow up, you know, locally playing against those girls. Um, it's almost more about, you know, bragging rights at that point. Obviously, Bedlam, you want to win, but you've played against those girls. Sometimes you've played with them your entire career. Um, so there's, I mean, there it's definitely a bloodbath. I mean, everyone goes out there 110%, um, especially getting the chance to, to play um, one home and one away is really – I think a really great thing about, about the Bedlam series and starting the season off, it, it kind of, I mean, it sets the bar high early because both teams always have really good teams. And even the, I mean, OSU ha- historically has a better record the last few years. I mean, OU's had a really good squad. There were a lot of girls on my club team that played there that, I mean, they had a really great team and it was kind of, you know, either way for a little bit halfway through my time at OSU. And um, no, it was a blast. OU, is definitely definitely still a soccer rival. Yeah, I love that baseball and and soccer does that where they can mm-hmm. make sure the season the the series is even. You know, you have a non conference game at, at whoever is the opposite of the home. So if, if it's if it's in Stillwater for conference, it's in Norman for non conference. You guys usually play it early, which I think is big. Mm-hmm. Like I just I love that. I, I always look forward to that early matchup uh, in Bedlam because it's just it's just so unique and, and exciting. Yeah, no, me too. And it, I mean, like I said, it's an early challenge. And the thing about those games, which I mean, everyone feels this, even the fans of all of the sports, just the emotions that come with that game. It's kind of it's a good test early on too to be able to kind of control those emotions, work with your team, not get you know overly um, involved in the hype of everything, and just stick to your game plan and close out tough games. And I think that that early test being bedlam is huge, and it kind of sets the tone for the rest of your season. So I know that primarily right now you work in banking. Uh, it's been a very busy time for you. What with um, everyone applying for a variety of uh, loans and, and, and things to help get them through the the pandemic. Um, but I, and that's that's interesting. Fine. I really don't want to talk about pandemic related things. So I don't really know. I want to talk about banking, and I'm not sure you're like, yeah, let's talk about uh, loans. <laughs> um, but the the thing that that really caught my attention because I. Look, last summer, this summer we've been doing this, which is finding former Oklahoma State athletes and, and alums who have gone off to do things related to sports or, but not necessarily mm-hmm. playing. And I know that you still like to play. Um, but the thing that caught my attention is you're going to be the color analyst uh, for FC Tulsa, which is the the, the Tulsa semi-pro uh, soccer team. Now, there's there's two semi-pro soccer teams in Tulsa, for those who don't realize. Um, there's the Tulsa Athletic, but that's like, I forget how baseball, I think it's like, double like the more letters you get the closer to the pros either way like fc tulsa is like one tier below like mls for soccer which right. is, fc tulsa is pro i don't think they're semi-pro okay i forget how they i, I never it's understand conf- how it works yeah it is it's confusing but i'm pretty sure 
I'm pretty sure they're full on because I know the women's like the women's side definitely semi pro. Um, but no, yeah, FC Tulsa they're making a statement, bringing pro soccer back. <laughs> no, I love it. Like I I know okay, so the the team got brought back. It was the um, Roughnecks. Um, yeah, yeah, which used to be the old professional soccer team name uh, and now the, the team's gone through new ownership they've changed it to fc tulsa i love the logo and the look and everything i was a little yeah. i was a little i don't know if as much as i loved the tying it back to the old team like they've done a really good job with all the new stuff like there's a the the scissor tail flycatcher logo like there's a cool nine yeah. shirt that i gotta i gotta get from my collection um but just kind of talk me through like how how did you end up as the new color analyst for for the team yeah i mean to be honest with you so i started i started with osu um in the fall season kind of just honestly a stroke of luck they needed they started um having the ability to produce the games for the new stadium um so i you know luckily got asked to jump on board and they kind of took a chance on me and they kind of taught me as i went um and i just kind of fell in love with it i really really enjoyed it and so I started looking for other opportunities to get involved um, in commentary. And I knew that FC Tulsa was, was rebranding. So I kind of, you know, I was hoping that, you know, they were making some, maybe making some changes and maybe I could kind of sneak my way in there. <laughs> so I called, um, I called one of my buddies that I knew got hired there. And I just said, Hey, um, do you think I could get a meeting with, you know, the communications team or the media team? I'd love to kind of, you know, give them my two cents and see what they think. And he said, yeah, sure. So I, I met with them and, um, I kind of, they, they definitely took a chance on me. I sent them some videos of, um, some of the games that we did at OSU and told them I'm definitely a work in progress, but I'd love to grow with the team and kind of, you know, um, jump in on what they're doing. And being from Tulsa, I, you know, grew up around soccer here. The youth soccer is so great. And, um, I, we just have such a, a passionate market and I wanted to kind of be a part of that growth. And, um, I guess, you know, they saw that on me in me and took a chance on me and um, partnered me with a great, a great play by play guy to kind of help me grow. And yeah, so they, they kind of took a chance on me. I got kind of lucky. I kind of just swooped in right when they needed someone and here I was. So I think it was, um, I definitely kind of lucked out, but I'm really happy about it. I, I can't wait. I was, the anticipation was building for season and obviously all of a sudden it kind of was put on hold, but I can't wait for the first game. Yeah, it's really exciting. Uh, first off, timing is everything sometimes. Um, it's yeah. really exciting because, you know, Fox 23, which is the Fox station there, owns the station My41, and, and Fox had, and FC Tulsa have agreed to be able to broadcast all of the games coming up on if, on My41, mm-hmm. which I've still got to figure out if they have an app on Roku so I can download it and watch because I will, I'm that kind of sports nerd. Um, so how does it feel to know that, like, they're not just – like on radio, but like people are actually going to be able to watch the game on TV and, and hear your voice. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I'm just, I'm so glad they did that because I think it, it really takes it to the next level and it, it makes it, I mean, it's important. I've always, we've always thought it was important, but I think having that partnership and have giving fans the ability to watch it from home and still connect with the team is huge. And, um, you know, everyone's been super supportive and, I mean, I'm excited. I try not to think about how many people might be watching because I don't want to psych myself out. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's really, really great for the team and just to get them some exposure. And I mean, they have a really great squad, a lot of really good players. And they even have, they have some, they have a couple hometown uh, players. And I think, I don't know. I just think it's going to be a really great opportunity. And 
um, the viewers that listen in, I think will be able to hopefully relate to me and kind of how I grew up in the area and can share, you know, my passion for the game. And um, Dave Saunders is great to listen to. He's great at his job. And I think that, I think we have a really good team and I'm excited to, you know, show everyone and kind of help represent FC Tulsa. So walk me through like the prep. How do you prep for a game as a, as a soccer color analyst? I say so game. I know it's match. I, it's, you know no. what, it's eight o'clock at night. I have a 16 month no. old and that will continue to be my excuse for a while. But yeah, no. prep me like what, what goes into planning to, uh, to work as a color analyst in a match? Yeah. I think for me, the biggest thing right now, I'm still, I'm trying to learn the system. A new, it was easy for me at OSU because I kind of already knew, um, you know, what Colin was doing and um, we have a relationship. So it was easy for me to call and be like, Hey, what are you thinking here? That kind of thing. Um, so I'm still trying to get to know, uh, you know, the coaches and talk with them every week and um, watch, watch the opposing team game film is big for me. I want to make sure I can time can talk both sides and understand what the opposing team might do in a situation and really understand our formation and how we might adjust depending on what the opposing team does. So really just watching film, talking with coaches, I'll probably try to talk to players as well and just kind of see how they're feeling. And um, really this thing is just paying attention to really each individual player out there and their tendencies and how they want to play to kind of understand their game plan and be able to, um, you know, properly portray that to the viewer and make it a little easier for them to understand what's happening and what's going through the player's mind um, in a certain play or if they're in a, you know, game winning situation or they're trying to close out the game or whatever the scenario may be. Um, just make sure I understand the players and what their end goal is so I can help explain that on film. So I'm curious your opinion. Um, I, I watched some of the, uh, the Bundesliga this week and, you know, obviously they were, piping in fan fake fan noise to the broadcast during an empty match. So I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, do you prefer watching it with fake fan noise, even though there's no fans or do you, would you rather just watch a match and let it just be all natural? I don't know. That's it's kind of a tough question because I feel like it almost, it's, it's kind of awkward with no noise in the, I mean, you can hear, you can hear, but it's kind of neat too, because you can hear the players, you know, yelling and you can kind of hear what they're saying and the coaches and normally you can't hear that. Um, so that's been kind of neat, but I don't know. I might, I might be in for the fake fans. I'm not really sure. It kind of adds a little bit of ambiance, I guess. Yeah. But we'll see. I, I want, I just, I want, I want, I want coaches mic'd up. Like give me. Yeah. Oh, give that would me, be awesome. Uh, I understand you can't mic up all the players and we can talk about delays and issues with, with uh, cursing and things, but give me the coaches mic'd up. Like I would oh. love to have that. And like the XFL was doing for like all sports until we get that, fans back in. Yes. I, I agree. I think it would add just a, another, it would be so entertaining. I would love that. I think it'd be funny too, for the players to watch their coaches, because I know one time at OSU and Colin would tell you, this was pretty funny. They came up for a practice and so funny because we all were just staring on the whole time like who are you and what have you done with our real coaches <laughs> he's like great job everyone what a great day like this you know we're like what are you even saying <laughs> but since he was mic'd up he was kind of you know on his best behavior so it was pretty funny but yeah I think that would be actually really fun if they had the ability to do that 
So you you and Coach Carmichael obviously still have, as you've mentioned, uh, a good relationship, especially, you know, doing color commentary there for the team after playing that, that obviously has helped your relationship grow. But just kind of talk me through, like, him as a coach and his coaching style. I have, I have a ton of respect for him and the job that he's done at Oklahoma State. Um, the program is, is what it is, and I think he deserves a ton of credit for it. Um, but just kind of talk me through what he's like as a coach. Yeah. Um, honestly, every year, I think we learned more about each other. Um, I, I a lot as a person as four years and he, you know, saw all sides of that. And it's so weird because I don't think, I mean, maybe people do realize this, but I mean, you spend more time with them than your own family. You become, it's almost, I mean, you argue like family, you laugh like family. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. So our relationship was kind of, it was, and it's kind of like a little dysfunctional family because some days we we're on the same page and some days we weren't. And I think that was one thing for us that the days we weren't on the same page, I mean, we went at it, but it was kind of a mutual respect of he knows we, we had the same end goal and I didn't always agree with him and he didn't always agree with me. And, you know, sometimes it, at the end of the day, he's a coach. So I you know, had to respect that. And um, he was leading our team. Um, but no, our relationship, it was pretty, really depend on the day, <laughs> like, family. but no, he, he was great. And I think that senior year was special because we had been through many different types of teams and our seasons were so wacky. And that little stretch for OSU was just kind of bizarre. And we had fought so hard to get back to the standard that we knew we had. And for us to kind of close out that senior year and kind of see it come full circle. And he knew how hard I worked really just to, not only win a big 12, but to kind of just change the culture back to how it was. And it was really neat to experience that with that coaching staff and, you know, Karen and Justin and Todd and Mal and all of them really, I mean, you spend so much time with them and we, we had a great relationship and it's been kind of fun now to just go back and not, not have to, you know, play for him and just kind of be his, I guess his friend and kind of give him a hard time. And, um, now I can just watch him. I told him he better be nice because I can say whatever I want on TV <laughs> about him. So <laughs> it's kind of tables have turned a little bit now. So but, are you still going to be doing any like color commentary for Oklahoma State or do they have other people handling that now? I hope so. I mean, I think tentatively that's the plan still. I'm okay. still kind of hear how the season um, will, you know, go with everything. But no, I mean, I would love to come back. It was it was super fun. I it was just, it was really neat to stay involved. I mean, I love the program and I didn't get to experience the stadium playing in it, unfortunately, but it was, it's really neat to get to sit up there and just enjoy the game and um, the atmosphere still. And so, no, I really hope I get to come back and do it. So would that mean we would hear you on those ESPN plus broadcasts? Would you be the one we would be hearing? Oh yeah. That was me last season. It was. Um, oh, good. Okay. All right. That was you. Yeah. Cause I watched some of the matches. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, okay, well then I'll ask this um, before I, I I try and embarrass you. Uh, what do you, as as someone who played for the team and as someone who has kind of kept up with the team, what is your opinion of what they have coming back this season? I mean, I think they they have a lot coming back this season. That that class, even when I came in, that freshman class made it an immediate impact. There are some really really great leaders on that team. Um, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking of like Hannah Webb and Cami Huddleston um, and really all of them, they came in with a, almost like a level of maturity that you wouldn't expect 
from a freshman class. And I think that that has really carried on. And now they have, I mean, they've tasted two big 12s. So that's the standard now, um, it, as it should be. And as it always, you know, has been. So I think having that experience in those big games and knowing how to handle those situations and knowing what it takes and what you have to do to get there. I think, I mean, they're, I think they're set up for a really great season. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited for this year. I'd like to just see after the last two years and the injuries they've had to deal with you know, right. two years ago, it just completely derailed the season. And last year it, it, the injury bug hit right at the end of the year, which kind of impacted how they did in postseason. I would love to see them just be able to stay healthy for the whole year and see just how far they can actually get. Yeah, no, I agree. But no, it's going to be really fun. They definitely, yeah, injury bug hit late. I wish they could have had full strength heading into postseason, but no, they have they have a lot of talent coming back. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll quick few some questions before we get you out of here. Uh, first off, uh, biggest jokester goofball on the team while you were there? Oh, gosh. Um, I think I have to say Nikki McKnight. I don't know if um, – <laughs> She she came from staying in Dallas, and she was my roommate. And she was one of those players where I think Colin would tell you this too. They almost fought every single day. Her mouth was unbelievable, <laughs> but it was one of those things where they both, I mean, mutual respect for each other. But that girl, no filter, and she kind of kept everyone. She kept everyone laughing. She kept everyone on her toes. Living with her was horrifying. She basically it was her goal just to terrify and scare me at every turn um but no she was probably a pretty big goofball i would say my freshman year bailey burmaster which i know you all have had on yeah um she all loved her she always kept everyone laughing (laughs) but i mean that was what was so fun about our team i caught my senior year i felt like um i think it was a sophomore class with julia linhard claire ganser and gosh that group of girls they just constantly constantly joking around but it keeps it fun (laughs) um best practice story (sighs) well trying to think trying to think back there i mean the the one practice where colin was mic'd up was pretty funny i will say just because it was it almost wasn't even like a real practice i felt like we were in a movie because he was being so (laughs) nice good job yeah, yeah. I don't want to, like where is this coming from? Um, that was pretty funny. One practice we had a Halloween practice in that class I was telling you about, Julia, Claire, um, they all came dressed as the coaching staff, and I mean it was spot on. So that was that was pretty comical to see them <laughs> dressed up. <laughs> um, and then Nikki, the girl who I was telling you about, this is might be a little PG thirteen, but <laughs> she um. One one practice, her and Colin just did not agree on something, and they went at it. And I was pretty soft spoken, and um, Colin actually just said, "You know what? Why don't you just leave practice? We'll figure this out tomorrow." You know, obviously that's probably the nicer version of what happened. And um, Nikki started yelling back, and she was like, "Anna, what do you want for dinner? I'll have it ready for you when you get home. I'll start cooking now." I mean, trying to just making all these bizarre comments. And I was like, "Please leave me out of this. I really don't want to be involved." fight Colin but we had some good times had to had to keep laughing when can't take it too serious absolutely I mean you know it's like family sometimes you just gotta things get tough you someone's gotta be 
someone's got to break the ice and and put yeah. a smile back on everyone's face. Course correct. Yeah. No, for sure. Well, Anna, let me just say thanks again for doing this again. Um, uh, we'd love to do this again in the future once uh, once FC Tulsa gets rolling, just to see, you know, how how your first season as, as color commentator for them goes. Um, again, I have got to figure out how I can get the games. Or I keep saying games. Like I'm sorry, it's a match. I no, know it's a match. I'm, people are gonna be I'm like, not- this guy's never watched <laughs> soccer before. He doesn't know what he's talking no. about. No, I'm not that formal. I mean. <laughs> Probably uh, should say, but I don't say, still say field, eh, but we're Americans. We're, you know, no, but no, I know, but yeah, amazing. please actually watch, you know, the help I can get. So take notes, send them my way. I'm still, <laughs> still learning, but we'll do. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Last question. Uh, what's on your mask? What's on my what? On your mask, on your face mask. What's on your face mask? I don't know if I, what are you talking about? <laughs> We literally are just wearing masks when we go outside. Like, what's on your face mask? Oh, I'm so confused. <laughs> oh. oh, gosh. I have um, I have one that says I love Tulsa that I got from Ida Red. And then I have one that's um, in white checkered. Try to keep it, you know, fun, I guess. I'm so sorry. I just, it's been a long <laughs> week. Even it's, been two days. <laughs> it's okay. No, it's, look, again, it's, you know. Eight o'clock on a, on a Wednesday on a weird week. We're good. No, no, uh, no troubles. Uh, Anna, I'll, uh, now that I've successfully embarrassed you, good job, uh, me. Uh, thank you again. I'm very happy to have you on, and uh, can't wait to can't wait to see what you do with F- FC Tulsa this season. Yeah, no thanks. I'm super excited. I'm excited for you to watch the game.